Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. Today our topic is the future and the futurist in the law firm. Our guest speakers are Jobst Elster, Head of Content and Legal Market Strategy with InsideLegal.com, and Eric Hunter, Director of Knowledge, Innovation, and Technology Strategies at Bradford and Barthel, LLP, and Executive Director of Spherical Models, LLC. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Nice to have you aboard. Hi. Hi, Eric. Hi, Obst. You know, Jobst, I'll start with you today. Um, Jobst, in your January 2014 legal management article on the future of legal technology, you talk about a futurist and their importance within modern law firms. So I have a three-part question for you. What is a futurist? What's their importance? And what role do they play? All righty. Well, thank you again for having us on. This is a great opportunity. Uh, So before I dive into your questions, I think it might be beneficial to provide a little bit of context. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I state in the legal management article, there's definitely no deficit of future-focused thinking and prognostications, especially when it comes to questions about legal technology and the law firm of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so t- those are topics that I spend a lot of time thinking about. And it beckons the question, why are we almost obsessed, if you will, with predicting what's ahead in five years, ten years, or even 20 years? I really believe there are a few reasons more of us are channeling our inner futurist. For one, I think the environment, a.k.a. the competition from within and outside of our legal hemisphere is dictating change and accelerating the pace at which we have to evolve. And secondly, I think our familiarity and exposure to new technologies is greater than ever, uh, and that's definitely the case in legal as well. And so it gives legal professionals the ability to leverage data, for example, big and small alike, to make more informed future-focused decisions. So I think we feel good about making predictions. It's not completely uncharted territory anymore because we're familiar with the technology and what's ahead. So that's just a little bit of background. In terms of the definition, and I, you know, a good handy Wikipedia definition there states that the firm futurist most commonly refers to authors, consultants, organizational leaders, and others who are engaging in critical thinking and advise on uh, advise uh, companies mostly or private and public organizations on matters as diverse as global trends future scenarios, emerging market opportunities, and risk management. Uh, Futurists are also definitely trending. You know, we see them pop up at keynote presentations at conferences all the time. Um, If you were now to go on to Amazon and look, there's about 3,400 book titles that have futurists in the title. And if you did a quick Google search, you'd see over two plus million results for futurists. So it's definitely something that's being talked about, that's being looked at, uh, you know, it's a discipline that's really being honed. In terms of the importance of a futurist, I think it's uh, really, really uh, important to encourage critical and strategic thinking and really preparing us and our law firm for what's next. So it's really important to keep on evolving, keep questioning, questioning the status quo, If you look at invention, invention is about looking into the future to an extent and and, and looking at what you can create, something new that you can create. So that's really where I see the importance of a futurist or of a futurist mindset 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a role or a person, but it's really more of a mentality or a mindset. And then to your third part, uh, to the, the third question you had in terms of the, the role, role. Right. Uh, they uh, futurists advise, they counsel, they guide and offer a different path forward or an alternate approach to sort of, you know, a way of thinking that may have been established uh, or they just give, you know, give firms uh, different options. Great answer. Thank you. What types of law firms would most benefit from having a futurist? You know, I really think there isn't, I think any type. Um, but, but the ideal breeding ground is fueled by innovation, the, uh, the ability of the firm and the legal professionals within the firm to admit failure, not, you know, not, not being afraid to be first, being inclusive when it comes to sort of looking ahead, so not necessarily having it be one person that's responsible, but maybe having one person lead the way and then involve the rest of the firm. Uh, and, and again, like I mentioned before, yeah, I like like I mentioned before, I think it's more in an attitude and an openness when it comes to critical thinking and a little bit of risk taking more than anything else. So there's a culture change there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you elaborate on how a futurist can affect change, meaning, you know, bringing the future into a law firm environment? Yeah, so you know, I I'm I'm not sure if the futurist affects change as much as they might be well positioned to predict it. So oh, okay. if you know if the prediction has merit and a strategy can be established around it or sort of built around that prediction, then the group again led by sort of the the chief predictor or the futurist uh can still go down the path of affecting that specific change. Um but I I do uh, want to note here and I know Eric will be talking about this uh, in detail, that leveraging data, for example, to help predict what's next is a critical piece of effectively looking ahead. So big data and big data analytics will give, and to an extent are already giving law firms the ability to more accurately predict the future. That's going to be a big player coming ahead. Absolutely. Um, in this role, if this role is to be developed internally as opposed to hiring from the outside help-wanted futurist, who on staff is best suited to take this on? Again, uh, getting back to sort of, you know, the premise that this is not necessarily a – it doesn't have to be a person. It's more of a attitude and a mindset and a philosophy. Um, right. I think to answer your question, though, I think it's it could be – anyone within the uh, firm, but I honestly think, um, and it makes, and this is great because, you know, our, our audience here are legal administrators, I think actually a legal administrator is well suited to take on this role or to engage in this sort of, you know, futuristic thinking. And I say that because legal administrators, you know, I'm always, I'm just, I, I marvel at all the hats they wear and all the balls they juggle on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so they're really the ones that have the finger on the pulse when it comes to the firm. They interact with the partners. They interact with the support staff. They're talking to vendors. They're talking to strategic partners. So they really are the ones that have, you know, the best sort of idea of what, you know, where the firm is. And with a little bit of encouragement and with, with a little bit of innovation, 
um, they can look ahead and see where the firm should be going. So let's say I'm a legal administrator wanting to add futurists to my skill set. What do I need to learn today to take on this role tomorrow? You know, for that, let's talk to a real-life law firm futurist. Hi, Eric. You want to tackle this one? Sure, absolutely. I think when keeping in mind essentially a futurist, the terminology can vary and the interpretations can vary from individual to individual. And Mm -hmm. I think the main key to keep in mind with it is essentially what a futurist is doing is you're taking a look at market disruptions or potential market disruptions. And we're looking at these market disruptions, you're deciding how much could this potentially impact the business, whether it's from a law firm administrator standpoint, whether it's from an executive a strategic standpoint, whether it's from a technology standpoint. And in many ways, finding these market disruptions can be key to essentially not only keeping the business you have, but expanding it and looking forward. A key example of this was with the newspaper industry, New York Times an example, uh, that there was a session I heard a few years back that was essentially talking about how the New York Times, in a way, uh, faced a quandary where they had some innovators that were looking forward that could essentially see the transformation. But then you had some of the day-to-day executives that were very much concentrated on dollars and cents. And there had to be an agreement between these two different parties, essentially between these innovators who could see what was happening, could tell market disruptions were taking place, but then between some executives that essentially were watching the dollars and cents. And both sides were doing their job perfectly. But I think it ends up having to happen within an organization, within any different level within that organization, any different department, that there has to be cross-communication between these departments. There has to actually be a recognition from the executive team that will say, you know what, we're actually going to have a portion of our organization, be it a law firm, business, whatnot, that's going to look purely on market disruptions that will affect our business with clients, how we take a look at how we tackle business, and how we deal with uh, essentially time, the billable hour, moving forward, and so forth. Excellent. Eric, you wear many hats within your firm. Head of IT, chief strategist, change agent, business innovator, and futurist. Please tell us more of how your role as firm futurist came about and how it's evolved. You know, it's interesting. In a way, I'd have to say it was, in some ways, it was by accident. As a law firm, uh, we were looking at making some different changes as far as uh, our infrastructure, but then also, also our knowledge platform. And this was, again, several years back. And we had some different options for looking forward. And so one of the ways that we were looking at, at the time, cloud wasn't uh, something that was taken for granted as far as a direction for business. But we decided, in taking a look at where we wanted to go, we thought, you know, we actually want to take the most innovative path forward that we can. So if we're going to actually take an innovative path forward, how can we actually invest in innovation when, as a law firm, you don't necessarily have these research and development resources to do that? It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to look forward. But it's one thing also to have the resources. I ended up working at uh, Intel and Oracle in a previous life. And in doing so, I remembered the substantial budget that would be given towards innovation, given towards looking ahead. And so with the law firm, I thought, well, what if we were to actually then essentially invest not only in a process that would help us move forward, but also a concept. And for us, that concept was if we invest in the cloud, but also an evolving cloud, a software-as-a-service cloud, basically 
say that we're going to evolve in vendors that are going to be strategic thinking and we'll evolve forward as they move forward. That forced us as an organization to then take a look at these vendors and say, well, what, what market forces are affecting them? What's driving them to move forward? And the vendors we were looking at that offered hosted systems were Google, Microsoft, and others. But we then had to understand, well, what's driving Google? What's driving Microsoft? Who are their competitors Obvious, other than each other? And obviously you come up with Facebook. You come up with some of these other social media players. And that very much affected our decision to move into a cloud environment, knowing that this cloud environment, the globe over, would begin competing with each other to offer social elements, to offer analytic elements essentially to offer elements that would be analyzing how they bring in better revenue. How do they target the people they're trying to get? And the answer to that, of course, is within the data analytics, the big data behind the scene, essentially targeting the advertising uh, revenue they can get by understanding the best behavior and trends of the individuals using their interfaces, be it Google, Facebook, or what have you. And so in choosing a collaborative cloud platform to move forward with, that was just the first step in understanding that we need to have a social, uh, essentially, intranet that would be built off this collaborative cloud structure. We'd have to have different ways for all departments to coordinate and talk with each other. But knowing that we're moving within this environment that's based off of social analytics and big data, we'd then be able to capitalize off of the innovations present and understand we're moving into a continually evolving model at that point, one that's constantly shifting and changing. To close my answer to this question, I'll go ahead and say that when I, for my time with Intel and Oracle, there was a mantra there that you actually had to recreate yourself and your position every 18 months to 36 months. And I think it's very healthy for an organization to understand, you know, there are so many different competing forces in today's environment. That's something to keep in mind. So as we're looking forward, we need to understand that we need to recreate our position and where we're going. And part of that, of course, is integration and looking forward. Uh -huh. Julie, I, um, if you wouldn't mind, I, I had a comment to add to that. Uh, sure. one, one of the things that really I've sort of been watching um, Eric and what he's been doing uh, and what Bradford and Barthel has been doing, because it really has been sort of they've been first to market with this approach uh, in the legal uh, environment. And what's really uh, stood out to me, what I've really found intriguing and what I is you know, I think a great lesson learned for really anyone going down this path is um, it goes back to critical thinking and to really questioning a lot of, you know, things that we've taken for granted. So, you know, Eric, you know, does quite a bit of due diligence when he's talking to vendors. You know, when he's talking to Google, I mean, you know, he brought Google into the legal environment. You know, he brought Google, Google into the legal space. I mean, this is something where he's challenging these established vendors to – have them look ahead and have them make some changes to accommodate where he's going as a firm. And that's something that just really impressed me. So, you know, it's one thing to have a, a vendor-law firm relationship. It's another one to really have a partnership that's based on this sort of give and take. Excellent. Moving along. Eric, how do you strike a balance between forecasting what's ahead in 10 to 15 years and what the firm should be doing today to put that into action? You know, it's a great question. Uh, Did you bring your crystal ball with you today? <laughs> That's right. Well, I've got the eight ball below me, and so let's see. <laughs> bring the crystal ball. <laughs> try again later. No, I've, I've got it. So it's a, uh, the, it's a great question because uh, recently I've been to several conferences, and there's been some forecasting, let's say, up to 45 years from now. And it's 
what's interesting about that is I think it's, I mean, it's healthy to look forward and essentially you can kind of, you can dream and think about where things are going. And some folks are working on strategic projects in the medical field and others that carry on years and years and years and years. But I think the thing to be careful about with that, and uh, I've learned this from a few others that I've spoken with, and uh, most recently I had a discussion with it uh, with uh, Rohit Talwar where he and I were talking. And he was saying, you know what, Eric, it's best actually take a look one year, three years, five years, and then maybe look forward ten years. And so the reasoning behind this is that you're going to be understanding some of the market disruptions that are already in play, but inevitably we're always going to miss some. I mean, how many saw the iPad coming and what it would actually do from a market rate? Yeah, exactly, from a market disruption Mm -hmm. standpoint. And so you can end up forecasting forward, and you have to understand that there are going to be some of these, there are going to be some of these elements that will just come in that you're not expecting. But on the other hand, there will be some that you're tracking very much. As Yopes had pointed out earlier, spending a lot of time researching big data, data analytics, and how this type, these, these types of things are going to be impacting business and uh, essentially how we integrate data, how it affects time, and so forth. And so I think with that kind of an understanding, you can almost have a specialist bent where you're looking forward and saying, you know what, I'm actually, I've been looking at market disruptions in this area, done a lot of research on it, comfortable with it, working with it, in the case of our law firm, we're implementing it, and then say, okay, I'm actually pretty comfortable then talking to an audience and saying with some veracity based off of experience and trends that are happening, this is what I see happening in the next several years. But I think at that point, it's very important to step back and if forecasting any farther than that, saying that there are so many different parameters and elements involved, and things are economies, moving economies, the global regions. There's so many different moving parts. Everything is so complex. But I still think it's important to look at just a few specialized things and then step back and say that there are a lot of different possibilities. Eric, do you have like a qu- another quick lesson learned from your role as a law firm for futurist you'd like to share? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So one of the things that I've essentially looking at the last three to five years myself, just my role in this law firm and how much it's changed, it's that never to take for granted what the other individuals are working on around you and what they have to say. And I think no matter how specialized you can get in a certain area, it's important to step back and take the time to listen because you might know a great deal about the subject matter already, but there'll be that extra 3% to 5% that you hadn't really thought about or that was coming at from a different angle. Uh-huh. And so when I've spoken at conferences, yes, and, and when I've listened to some of the keynotes and some of the, some of the different uh, presentations, I've been struck by how much influence I've had. It's almost like you can think of so many different angles and you just hear one more and then everything fires off and you know the different direction to move in. And so if I was going to say essentially is one lesson learned for individuals that look at innovation, look at market disruption, look at the way trends are evolving forward, is to remember to listen to your peers and always be ready to find others and hear what they have to say. Good advice. Now both you and Yopes have mentioned data analytics and how they can help both with forecasting the future and to a certain extent predicting certain scenarios that will impact the law firm. Can you explain? Eric, is, I think that's for you, but I can... Uh, Eric, yeah. Sure, but I yeah, think, no, uh, absolutely. 
jump in. Um, so big data analytics, uh, it, the, the one problem with it is that it's become quite a buzz term, so to speak. So when people hear big data, they assume it's something outside of their personal experience. But when they log into the web, if you bring up a Google search or a Bing search, as soon as you start searching, you're actually searching through quote-unquote big data. And as you're searching, analytics run behind the scenes on what you're actually typing and searching for. Those type of analytics, that's actually happening every day. And people do it all the time from their cell phones or from their laptops or iPads, just from their searches and preferences or when they log sure. into Facebook and they're doing mm -hmm. all these different kind of shares and searches. And so what I think when talking about big data analytics is then understanding, well, what is that doing with all of us? It's, there's this interconnection that's happening, but what ends up happening beyond that is, well, what if we apply that type of interactive environment and that type of, the type of analytics that are able to cue in and see every little thing that we're doing and apply that to a business? And there's a concept I've spoken on about this. I call it the Snowden effect. Essentially, when oh. Snowden came out last year, yeah, and essentially put a big spotlight on mm -hmm. what can happen with data and analytics. And also what ended up horrifying many from a Big Brother perspective was that, wow, I mean, in a way, what happened to privacy? And in different regions were saying, hey, you know, I mean, what's going on here? I mean, but the thing was, the way I thought about it, what was interesting is if you take away the privacy ramification and understand the amount of reach that's possible with data and analytics today, you can actually take a look at something that can truly transform a business, truly transform how we look at our uh, billables, and essentially in a law firm, how we can take a look at how we define time, how we, how we actually use time as a billable measure, and think of a different way to go about it through data and data analytics. Excellent. Okay, now before we conclude today, would each of you leave us with one final thought that summarizes our discussion today? Yopes, do you want to lead us off? Absolutely. So we've uh, spent um, quite a bit of time talking about the future and the futurist and his or her role and, and you know where that fits within uh, the legal environment. And uh, what I'd like to uh, mention there is that uh, – Despite the fact that we're almost getting inundated with sort of you know future uh, themed thinking and uh, books and articles and that sort of thing, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we really need to focus on what's ahead. And I would heed Eric's advice in if you're overwhelmed by by making predictions about what's what's ahead in 10 to 15 years break it down further and look ahead for next year, look ahead, you know, two to three years down the road, make a plan, share the plan, get people involved, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. Eric, how about you? Um, I'd say in a, essentially a closing thought with it, it's that remember, remember the things that we use every day. Remember the consumer tools that we use every day, and then think about how fast those are evolving. Think back three to five years. 10 years, and how much that has evolved, how quickly that's evolved, and how much that's transformed our daily lives in ways that we actually have taken for granted. And then realize that a lot of these future innovations, when brought into the business, even though we can call them disruptive market technologies, disruptive elements, what can end up happening is it often works in subtle ways. 
And so when you're looking to transform business through innovation, um, through essentially a futurist lens, so to speak, it doesn't have to be an alarming process. It can be something that uh, can transform the uh, organization in a subtle way. Because when looking at consumer technology, that's how these innovations are designed. They're designed to be subtle. They're designed for it to be easy to use, easy to integrate with their day-to-day. So I think when administrators, change management specialists, folks looking at the organization as a whole take a look at this, they can realize, you know what, a lot of these innovations that are going to be coming in the future, so to speak, that are happening now, are actually going to be able to help us make our business and our law firm easy to run, easier to manage, and in many ways, they'll actually be easy to integrate. Excellent. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you to our futurists, Eric Hunter and Jobst Elster, for your time today. And for those of you wanting more information, please check the articles our speakers have written listed under their bios. And thank you to everyone for joining us. Bye-bye.